The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners. Happy New Year and welcome to the 178th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144 or you can email me at iir at comcast.net comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, later in the show, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, who will actually be calling in in about 10-15 minutes. A.P. was live in the Superdome last night at the Sugar Bowl. Uh, and one of the first two college football playoff games ever. So that leads right into my highlight of the week, which, of course, is yesterday's first ever college football playoff semifinals. And really, we'll just start with last night's Ohio State epic victory over Alabama. Uh, Just simply stealing the show. What a fabulous, fabulous game. I thought Urban Meyer said it best after the game when he called it a sledgehammer game. And boy, that's exactly right. Uh, It was one for the ages. And it just seemed by the time we got to the fourth quarter that people were just getting injured on every play. I mean, it was just that type of a game. And uh, so it was, uh, by the way, I just happened to look on the TV. Breaking news, Le'Veon Bell is out for the Steelers in tomorrow night's wild card game hosting the Ravens. So, wow, that's big news. Anyway, back to the highlight of the week. Again, the the game had everything. It just, uh, you know, electric across the board. Uh, you know, the pass at the end of the first half by Ohio State, who, by the way, they, they looked dead at 21-6. I just said, oh, boy, here we go. You know, just watch the Rose Bowl, 59-20, Oregon blowing out Florida State, 21-6, and it just looks like, you know, that's it. Cardell Jones, the Ohio State third-string quarterback, is just looking like the stage is a little too big for him, which I said I thought it might be. I was wrong. And uh, it just looked looked 
dim. But then, you know, give Ohio State just truly all the credit. They had dominated the game, but were down 21-6, turnovers, what have you, not scoring touchdowns in the red zone. And, uh, you know, they got one touchdown, but that pass to end the first half, one of the best footwork plays, camera angles, thrown a pass from a wide receiver. Uh, really, the signature play of the game, I thought, and there were some good ones, you know. Uh, the 85-yard run. To uh, for all intents and purposes, to seal the deal. Curious play calling throughout from Urban Meyer, getting the ball with a little over two minutes left, throwing a long, uh, long bomb on the first play, incomplete. Cost them only seven. Se- cost seven seconds. Uh, Alabama has two timeouts, so they're basically able to stop the clock. They get the ball, and they just in the last you know minute and a half of the game and. It didn't seem to be moving with a whole lot of urgency. Kind of bizarre. Um, but the game was that type of game. A lot of bizarre stuff. Super hard hitting. Exciting plays. Just a fabulous way uh, to end. I really, let's face it, nobody gave Ohio State much of a chance. They just didn't. Um, and so you have to call it a significant upset. You know, by the way, the viewership numbers are just in, and it looks like the uh, the Rose Bowl is going to be ranked among the top three most viewed cable TV broadcasts of all time. So, that's pretty cool. I mean, who, who wasn't watching that game at, you know, 5 p.m. yesterday on New Year's Day, 5 p.m. Eastern Time? It was awesome. But the ratings for both games come in with uh, over a 15. That's an outstanding number. Um, so, no surprise. You, you know, who, who, what sport fan wasn't uh, making last evening pretty much appointment television, uh, to, you know, to put it mildly. So, it was just, again, really a game for the ages. I think one will all remember for a long, long time. And... Uh, it was a classic, just that simple. My low light of the week was Jameis Winston's uh, comedic play of falling down, losing the ball, leading to a scoop six that basically clinched the game for Oregon, and they rolled from there. I think Florida State had five turnovers. But my belief here is that, you know, going back to that Clemson game when Jameis Winston was suspended for another one of his knucklehead moves, there have been many, we all know that, uh, you know, the backup quarterback, they should have lost that game. I think everybody wanted them, most, 99% of college football fans wanted Florida State to lose that game to Clemson, that Saturday night game at home, just in the hopes that maybe it would wake Jameis Winston up. But they came back and won the game, as they did many others this year. So I believe that 99% of the country last night wanted to see Florida State and Jameis Winston lose you know, in the ugliest way possible. Certainly the group of people I was watching with felt that way. And lo and behold, they got exactly what they wanted with that comical play uh, of him. Again, first of all, escaping pressure. Magically, it was impressive. But then, you know, started falling down and the ball squirted out. And uh, again, big lineman picked it up for Oregon, rambled in for a touchdown ball game. And... uh you know, I think that comical play, I think that's going to be the signature play that brought the, you know, 
29 game winning streak and and basically the Florida State dynasty to a screeching halt. Um, again, I believe uh, most college football fans, certainly all the ones I know, and I know a lot of them, you know, they, they just reveled in Florida State finally getting their comeuppance. Given, you know, this is all about Jameis Winston's two years of misbehaving while winning 29 straight games, never losing a college game until last evening. So, yeah, I mean, they just got their comeuppance. They, by fumbling and bumbling their way to a 59-20 loss to Oregon. And the score is significant as we move into my bizarre story of the week because, to me, it was Urban Meyer's absolutely priceless and clearly, genuinely real reaction after his game where they beat Alabama when during the press conference uh, someone, a reporter, told him, you know, Oregon won by 40, and he, he just said right back into the mic, Oregon won by 40, and it was great, funny reaction. He said, well, I better go get to work and act as if he's getting out of his chair. What I find bizarre is, you know, I know these coaches have laser focus, and Urban Meyer's at the top of that list of laser focus, but uh, how does he get through the entire Sugar Bowl without knowing who won the Rose Bowl? I find that just nothing short of remarkable. I'm not being critical. I just find it bizarre. He's, you know, <laughs> unless he wanted not to know. But I almost find out, like, unbelievable that he wouldn't find out by accident if, indeed, he didn't want to be told. Um, you know, I, I just, again, found it to be quite bizarre that he would not, uh, you know, not know that. But all in all, just a fitting fitting start to the first ever college football playoff system. Again, just so many great plays. You know, I, I, I look, and especially in last night's game, I just looked to, uh, you, you know, the punts, that bizarre punt that, you know, bounced 20 yards back. And then, uh, you know, I, Alabama hold the, had the ball, uh, And then they threw that interception. I I thought that critically, critically important play. I thought they were about to uh, swing the tide, no pun intended, in their favor. But anyway, lots more to talk about on the other side. After the break, we have A.P. Studham joining us from Bama Magazine. He was at the game last night in New Orleans. So can't wait to see what A.P. has to say. So as my former co-host, Lee Mount Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be A.P. Stedham, a Bama magazine. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. 
Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. It's time to let the ladies do some sports talking around here. The sports girls take over the Voice America Sports Channel every Monday for The Inside Score. Beth Silverberg, Chin Chin Ong, and Stacey DeBerry are here to showcase the athletes, the coaches, and the foundations that change lives. In addition, we'll have a ton of regular features and a featured guest sports girl every week. You'll hear the stories you need to hear from the people that make the difference. The Inside Score is heard every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern or Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 Three four six nine one four four, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests, and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, live from New Orleans, where he was at last night's Sugar Bowl college football playoff semifinal between Ohio State and Alabama, covering the game for Bama Magazine. A.P., Thank you for taking the time to call. I know it was a late night for you last night, obviously. Yeah, it sure was, John. We, we didn't leave the stadium until very, very late. But uh, I'm, I'm feeling kind of woozy, I think, like that Alabama team is now from that hit they took from Ohio State. Yeah, well said. Well said. Uh, it was an epic game. You know, one of the greatest games I've ever seen, period. I think it's an instant classic for sure. And I thought, I said this earlier in the show, I thought Urban Meyer, after the game, put the perfect word on the game to what I was thinking, especially in the second half. He called it a a sledgehammer game, and that's exactly what it seemed like to me. But you were there in person. Same way to you? Yeah, John, I I thought it was two similar teams and that they, you know, like to run the football and, and they have good good receivers, and the, the quarterbacks were, you know, played very well. And you know, for me, especially that young quarterback, uh, Ohio State, he stepped up in this limelight, and he really was a force out there. Uh, I, I thought much more running the football that surprised me. I think his ability to uh, get down the field up the middle and make some plays. The quarterback himself running the ball. Yes, yes. Yes, he, he, he was a tank. No, he, that became a weapon, more of a weapon with each passing play, I thought. Uh, 
you know, again, 6'5", 240, 250, excuse me, he was an absolute tank. You know, it, it became their best play, and they had a heck of a lot of good plays last night. But him running always up the middle, it seemed, was pretty much unstoppable, you know, for at least, you know, for less than five yards or so. Yeah, he, he made some plays. They they were able to contain him at times, but right. uh, it's, it's the ones where he got away that, uh, that hurt Alabama. And, and he has a big, strong arm. He's tall. He can see over the defensive line. There's no issues, uh, in that, you know, from you know that aspect. And uh, John, I, I think all week long, anybody I spoke to, I told them that I thought had head to head, Alabama could win the game that Ohio State couldn't beat them, except that Alabama gave the ball away, and that's what happened. You know, in the past uh, games in the season, Alabama gave the ball away, and they were able to overcome those those mistakes. But I didn't think against Ohio State they can put the ball on the ground or throw any interceptions and, and come out victorious, and, and that's what happened. It sure is. You know, well said. Uh, that said, you know, Alabama did not die. They went right down. Went down two scores to to score once. You know, I thought uh, Ohio State's play calling was curious there at the end with the, you know, and, and I like the fact that any team that goes for the jugular, like they did with the long throw on first down, seven seconds it took, you know, Goes yeah. for the win, especially on that stage, uh, I thought is, you know, admirable to me. But, you know, uh, the way it worked out, Alabama, two timeouts, they basically, you know, retook back the clock. And then they, you know, what the announcers were saying on TV were was that, you know, Alabama did not seem to be moving with a sense of urgency early in that final drive. I mean, what were your thoughts watching live? Yeah, everyone was curious after the game what was going on, and, and that was a conclusion. Uh, you know, maybe they're a little bit tired. I, I just don't know, but that, that seems to be the the consensus. Everybody watching the game. Uh, you know, John, I think uh, the biggest play in the game, I would guess, and you touched on it, was the punt that was shanked and bounced backwards, which. It was like a I agree. Gift. It was like a, a Christmas, a late Christmas gift, and then Alabama. It's like they just spent all their money in one place, and you know, and I, I, I think some people were watching that play. Said the tight end was open, but he hesitated, and uh, that, that was uh, an error that you can't take back. Ron Ron Belmont uh, playing the ball and intercepted it. Yeah, the interception on the next play you're referring to, of course. Right, right. Yes, right. yeah, and I and I said that at the end of my first segment of all the plays I could have picked out, and there was really some dynamic, memorable yes. plays. That's the one in my mind, along with the obviously uh, the the pass at the end of the first half from the wide receiver and the great catch and getting his foot in bounds. The way the camera caught it, that's a classic shot. And uh, but no, the. The play of the game, I thought, was that interception. I mean, the punt was bizarre. <laughs> I mean, that yeah, thing shot yeah. back 20 yards like it was shot out of a gun. Yeah. And at that moment, I said to the people I'm watching with, you know, that's it. That's it. You know, Ohio State, you can't win games or, or you know, finalize upsets of that level with any mistakes, and I thought that's the mistake. That's the one right there. Yeah. And I, I expected Alabama, and I'm sure you did, and 
all of Tide Nation to go in, score, and basically take over the game. And so, yeah, I thought it was the key play of the game as well. I really did. Yeah, I, you know, Alabama had been running the ball fairly well, and then they went to that pass down the field to, uh, I don't know how many times they threw to the tight end. I can't recall. I don't remember very many times it was to that particular tight end anyway. They threw a couple times to the Vogler. But uh, O.J. Howard, I don't recall them throwing his way. And uh, so it was, uh, I think everybody was just saying, gee, they were running the ball so effectively, why don't they just put it on the ground? They would probably get a touchdown. They kept on handing it off to him. Yeah, well, last night felt to me, you know, and I've said this often on the show, I, I, I saw both T.J. Yeldon and Derrick Henry in successive years at the U.S. Army All-American Bowl in San Antonio, which, by the way, is being played tomorrow at noon, Eastern Time. But anyway, um, last night felt a, bit, a little bit like, you know, Derrick Henry's coming out party. Um, and he was pretty impressive, to say the least, the size, the speed, the burst. So, yeah. I was. I thought they underutilized him in the second half. I would have been going to him more. He he looked a little bit unstoppable there at points. Yeah, I mean he ended up with the ninety-five yards, averaging seven point three yards a carry. Only got the ball thirteen times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I was going to say that. I mean, like you mentioned, they, they should have called this number probably a few more times. He's, he's making good yardage. And, uh, yeah, I don't know why uh, they didn't. And some announcers said, you know, I think I watched a little SEC Network last night. Uh, Tim Tebow and Marcus Spears, and Marcus Spears specifically said, you know, uh, you know that that spot where they threw the interception after that crazy punt uh, would have been the good spot. You know, he would have used Derrick Henry there, and you know, just kind of ground and pounded. Right. For what? What was it? Twenty-seven yards or something? I mean, you talk about. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, you received yeah. a punt and you had the ball at the twenty whatever yard line. That's yeah. crazy. That's bizarre. That never happens, obviously. No, no, no. That was the that was the moment in the game when Alabama could have uh, took control. That only would have uh, you know tied it, but I think you know, momentum would have swung your way. I totally agree. Absolutely. Um, yeah, now, you know, they had a game plan to stop, uh, you know, Amari Cooper. I mean, he was a factor. He certainly had a touchdown catch at the end, but I think he had less than 100 yards receiving, and there's a lot of st- a few stats out there that when he's held under 100, Alabama's beatable. Um, so that, I mean, you know, they went all in to stop him, and, and basically it worked. Yeah, I mean, his, his longest catch was 15 yards. They really didn't go down the field to him uh, throughout the game. Uh, you know, and I think even at the end of the game when he ran the Hail Mary, he was on the other side, wasn't he? He was not. It, no, it's funny, AP. I could be. I don't think I'm wrong. I've seen it enough. But, no, when I'm watching that, the first thing I looked at when the ball fell, intercepted, actually, the final Hail Mary, yeah. First thing I looked at, other than the, after the interception, was was he in that group? And I'm 99.9 percent sure he was not. I think it was like number one, number two, and then maybe someone in the 80s standing back around the goal line in case it bounced back, you know, deflected right. towards right. the field. So, yeah. do you know for a fact? In my mind, 
Amari Cooper uh, I, was not yeah, part I, I, of that yeah, group. I, yeah, I didn't have a chance to watch it, but um, I think that's what my initial... Uh, yeah, I, I don't understand that for a second. Yeah, recall the play, and so I was curious, but... You know, one of the um, things that caught me by surprise, John, was the first half, how it was 360-something yards, and, you know, it was really balanced by how Ohio State running and throwing the football, and, you know, they ended up with that 281 rushing yards, which was, you know, those are big numbers when you talk about Alabama. You know, one of their top teams is not the top team against the run, so. Well, uh, wasn't, it, wasn't 88 yards the most they had given up to any one guy this year? Yeah, I'm thinking that's right up there, if not the, not the top number for the year, especially in a game like this, this magnitude. Right. I mean, that's you know, 250 yards passing, 280 yards rushing. That's that's quite. At one point, I think John like 450 something yards total offense. Alabama had 150 something. At one right. Point. AP, I said this at the off the top at 21-6. I said it's over. You know, um. um a quarter and a half removed from watching Oregon beat Florida State 59 to 20. You know, and I'm like, you know, I, I, I'm up for a good game. And, you know, again, 21 to 6. I just said, well, that's it. You know, another, you know, th- this isn't going well as far as exciting game. And, right. yeah, obviously, I'm sure you're not minding it. But, you know, I was actually like a little surprised when they scored once to draw to 21 13 and then. Obviously, that play at the end of the half was one of the obviously one of the key plays of the game, to put it mildly. But yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say that, that. Yeah, when you have somebody twenty-one to six, you, you've got to uh, you know get, get out of halftime with that lead. So mentally, they're uh, you know in a state of shock. Here it is. We're playing in the uh, semifinal game. We only have six points. And uh, we're facing the number one seed, and we've got to come from behind. So, yeah, that was crucial that Ohio State came back and scored. Yeah, and one of my things, and I've said this many times on the show, was, you know, it wasn't even the turnovers. It wasn't that Ohio State was basically, I, I don't know if I'd say dominating the game, but pretty close. And But to me, what I always say, the recipe for any upset starts with, you know, scoring touchdowns, not field goals in the red zone. Yeah. And so, you know, when they got two trips down there and they came away with two field goals, that that was to me like, okay, they, you know, they're not going to do it. You know, all of a sudden it's 21-6 when they should have, could have had 14. And, you know, so it was shocking to me how they, you know, were able to suck it up and come back before the first half. It's not like they had to go into halftime to gather themselves. They, you know, somehow, you know, put 14 points on the board there in the final, you know, couple minutes of the first half. I, I was stunned by that. Yeah, I was too, John. I'm thinking, you know, Alabama's looking good. Their offense hasn't even gotten started. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. That's how I was looking at it too. You know, they hadn't really gotten someone to Mari on the field, and, and they had some turnovers, took advantage, and got in the end zone with touchdowns, and didn't have to attempt the field goals, and so that, that was a good feeling, but Ohio State, they, they, you know, that's the championship football. You, you want to win a championship, you don't crumble. Exactly. Um, before we leave on Amari Cooper, I read or heard 
references this morning to him being, you know, quote, extremely frustrated along the sidelines. You know, I watched and listened to every second of that game. You know, I didn't see or hear anything. The announcers never referenced it. Is that something you heard or that you saw, you know, beyond just, you know, the normal frustration? What I heard was like, you know, sounded like it was, you know, bordering on what Jameis Winston did on the sidelines in his game, if you want to talk frustration. But I, I didn't see any of it. Did you see or hear anything about that? I, I didn't see that, John. And, you know, after the game, yeah, Mark, he was, he, you could tell he was, um, he wasn't happy with the execution of the game plan and things. But I didn't see that on the sideline. You know, when you're watching the game, you're focusing on so much the sideline. But, uh, you know, what's happening on the field itself. So I, I can't attest to it. Okay. Yeah, specifically. I, yeah, I was surprised because, like I said, I didn't see or hear anything, and it's certainly not Amari Cooper's M.O. to be no. like that. But So you were in the locker room, I'm guessing. You were in the press conferences. Is that right? I, I was in the locker room, John. Uh, the press conference, uh, you know, is going on at the same time. Right. So you have to select which... Where you would like so, to be, so I was in the locker room talking to the players, and uh, so what was yeah, it like it, in there? Yeah, it, I mean, I've been to uh, uh, noisier funerals, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, I I thought it was a fait accompli. There's no other way to say it. I just thought this was. I just just didn't think it was possible for the third string quarterback on that stage. To, for the Ohio State to win the game, period. I, I said it last week on the show, and I, again, you know, was finding it impossible to believe last night. I'm sure it was equally, if not more, impossible for you to see, given your intimate knowledge of the Alabama team. It was just, uh, you know, stunning. So I can only imagine the locker room. I mean, it just had to be as bad as it gets. Yeah, some players were, I think, the frustration level was so deep that they didn't want to talk. So right. Others did. And they, that's the difference. Uh, some some players, uh, you know, when something doesn't go their way, they, they're not as mature. You can't manage that situation. So it's living Correct. experience for them. But, Correct. Uh, you know, but uh, that quarterback, John, just to get back to his play, he, uh, he never did seem rattled to me, and, and, and uh, consistently he was throwing that deep ball over the middle with accuracy. Right. And, and it struck right at the heart of the defense. And then uh, an issue that <laughs> excuse me, had been uh, happening throughout the season for Alabama is on the deep ball, it seems the defensive backs are in position to make the play, but they don't react well when the ball's in the air. Right, right. Um, well, it was something else. Still lots to talk about, about that game, other games, the whole bowl, bowl season. So right now we're bumping up against our break, AP. I know you're sticking around. We appreciate it. Love hearing your expertise from being at that epic game. And uh, let's take our break, talk a little more. CFP playoffs after the break.
out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Lockdown coverage. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. On the Voice America Sports Channel, the talk doesn't get any hotter. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144 or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144 or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. And back on the line with us still is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine, who covered last night's epic Ohio State-Alabama Sugar Bowl game, college football playoff semifinal game. And A.P., thanks for your great great perspective on the previous segment. Uh, We we covered a lot of football. We could talk the rest of the show about just what, what went on in that game, but... I got to ask you, what was it like, you know, inside the Sugar Bowl last night, inside the Superdome? Yeah, John, there was great support by the Alabama fans and the Ohio State fans. Uh, that's all it was, was a sea of different types of red. You know, they had the scarlet and the crimson, and it was loud and enthusiastic. And, I, I, you know, it was a great atmosphere, uh, you know, being on Bourbon Street a few times that week, uh, Ohio State fans, they, they, they were pretty confident. They, they were excited to be playing uh, Alabama and, and facing the SEC. They, John, maybe you know that your audience might, but they had only beaten Arkansas of all the times they played. I think uh, in 10 games, they were had one victory that was vacated uh, when they won the Sugar Bowl against Arkansas. So, And then this was the first time uh, of four tries that they beat Alabama. So it was a big moment if you're going to win a game against Alabama of those four. I believe they'll they'll take this win in the first college football playoff. Yeah, well, it's interesting you would say that. You know, as I watched uh, the various live reports throughout the week, I thought the same thing. And I know it's just, you know, it just seemed like the Ohio State fans seemed to have a certain level of confidence that, you know, 
certainly I didn't have, and I don't think a lot of the media had, of like them winning. It just sort of actually came across on TV, and that's not something I say too often, but I, I just, you know, attributed it at the time before the game to, you know, to, well, they're in New Orleans, need I say more, but <clears throat> it's interesting you would say that, because that's how it came across on TV as well, and you're saying basically it, it was came across that way a little bit in person, too. Yeah, uh, Ohio State people, they, they thought they had a good team, and I think there was an abundance of uh, confidence due to that rise in the last game against Wisconsin. And we, and they, they weren't nervous about their quarterback because he performed so well in the championship, the Big Ten championship. Okay. Um, well, I don't know if you've gotten the TV ratings. They just were sent to me. You know, it was a, they did a 15.3 overnight rating, uh, 15.5 for the Rose Bowl. Um, both of those games last night, I know you can relate to this, were higher than the Alabama LSU championship game of a couple of years ago. And uh, so, yeah, and then just for comparison's sake, again, you can relate. You were there. You had the Alabama-Texas championship game with Colt McCoy getting injured that one in 2010. Mm-hmm. That drew an 18 overnight. So last night's games, both each drew a 15-plus rating compared with an 18 for the national championship game four years ago, uh, but up from the national championship game two years ago. So no surprise, clearly a success. I mean, if you care a whit about college football, you're watching those games last night, period. End of story. Obviously. That was, hi- yeah. that was history. Oh, oh, yeah, it's a history. So you want to say you watched the first semifinals ever in college football playoff history. And uh, both games were, uh, you know, high-powered offenses. And, and uh, just, you know, Oregon held down Florida State. But the, uh, it was like a basketball game on, on their side. You know, they, they, they couldn't uh, get in the end zone enough. It was incredible, especially that third quarter. And, you know, just speaking of history, let me give you some quick history. You know, when one of my favorite moments, sports moments of any year is when they tune in, you know, when they turn, when the Rose Bowl comes onto the TV at, you know, typically 5 p.m. Eastern time and they come in with the aerial shot. But what was interesting for me last night was that 20 years ago, last evening, I was in the Rose Bowl watching Penn State play of all teams Oregon <laughs> the, the Oregon before they were the Oregon that we know today like they made the Rose Bowl that year but they weren't they still weren't that team that we know today but they were good and they were in the Rose Bowl and it just resurrected for me one of the great sports memories of my life which is you know half an hour before kickoff walked in and I'll never forget the sight as long as I live of walking in and half the field was in green and gold which it was last night hence the, the memory coming comes flooding back into my mind. And then, of course, in 95, it was, the other half was blue and white. That was the famous Kajana Carter Penn State team. And then, uh, obviously, last night it was Florida State colors. But it was a real flashback for me, because of the, really because of the green and gold. I mean, I watch the Rose Bowl every year, but Oregon's not in it every year. And when I saw that you know, come in on the aerial shot last night, it just like... Such a tremendous memory, and uh, 
you know, I love that game. I love the Rose Bowl or the San Gabriel Mountains. It starts in daylight. It ends in darkness. 100,000 fans, all of it. The analogy I made to the people I was watching the game with last night is the Rose Bowl is to football what the Masters is to golf. Yeah, I would categorize the Rose Bowl as a, a different event than all the other bowl games, I think, down. Exactly. exactly. Because of that setting, and, the, and they still have the parade. I mean, uh, the, parade. Uh, the other, there you go. The other, the other bowl games uh, used to have parades. I don't you know, believe they do anymore, not all of them. So they've kept the pageantry along with the football classic. Yes, and I went to the parade in 95, and, you know, that's a million people there, plus a million roses decorating all the floats. It's it's the all-time day, a day that can be enjoyed by both football fans, non-football fans, male, female, you know, old and young. It's as good a day as you'll find in America, you know, which is, you know, the Rose Bowl Parade in the morning, a couple of hours to tailgate, whatever, and then go into the game. It's as good as it gets. And, uh, you know, the fact it was the 20-year anniversary and Oregon happened to be playing and all those colors that I became familiar with, all of it. Why I watched the parade yesterday morning. Just a great memory. But, you know, now let's talk about the game. I mean, it was uh, what I said at the top of the show was, and this was the conversation we were having literally before the play happened, was basically... Most of America, 99% of the college football, you know, fans wanted to see Florida State lose that game, and they wanted to see them lose in the ugliest way possible, specifically, you know, uh, and it's all because of Jameis Winston and his, you know, history of behavior, I feel. And then, lo and behold, we're literally having the conversation using the exact words I just used, like ugly and comedic and can't get bad enough. And at that precise moment, Jameis Winston pulled off a play that we're going to see for the rest of our lives, which was the, you know, number one, miraculous escape from pressure, but then, you know, falling backwards, loses the ball, squirts out of his hands, scoop six, touchdown, and and an unforgettable sequence that I, again, I'm not even being critical of Florida State per se. I'm just saying that's how I believe 99% of college football fans, what they wanted to see. I think so, John. They they wanted to see not only him lose, but uh, lose convincingly, and him be one of the reasons that they they lost the game. So they they essentially their wish was was uh, answered. Exactly right. You know, well said, AP. I, I think it was just uh, you know, especially on the heels of this, really started to me with the Clemson game when Jameis was suspended for another one of his. You know, knucklehead acts. There's been a few. Don't have to get into that uh, in his two years. But he never lost a game until last night. And, you know, but I think, you know, they had the backup quarterback against Clemson. Clemson basically had the game won. Florida State escaped as they did all season. And it was almost like this was sort of like a, a retry, so to speak. It was, you know, that it's about comeuppance, you know, for him personally. I feel that this is how the fandom felt. And, you know, boy, they, they, they got it last night big time, that's for sure. You know, five turnovers. Jameis' numbers were fine. If you look at just as his numbers compared with Mariota's, 
you're you're thinking great game, right? You probably yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They were equal basically. I mean, but five turnovers in the third quarter undid them. 59 to 20, it's still shocking. You know what I found fascinating was uh something we're going to talk about in a minute. We have another break due. There was one other thing I touched on at the beginning of the show, but I want to get your thought on it, too. But let's take our break for now, and we'll get into that topic on the other side. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the Man Cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the Man Cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. Back on the line with us still is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, who covered last night's epic Sugar Bowl college football playoff semifinal between Ohio State and Alabama. Before we get to A.P., I'd like to just quickly give my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing, and it is the Steelers-Ravens wild card playoff game tomorrow night in Pittsburgh. Uh, sure to be another war, and as I reported right off the top at the beginning of my show today, uh, Le'Veon Bell was just announced within the hour, will not be playing. He is out of tomorrow night's wild card game. Nonetheless, it's still my pick of the weekend. 
when these two get together, especially in the playoffs, it's as good as uh, NFL football gets, period. And last night was as good as college football gets, AP. Uh, what I was referring to at the end of the previous segment was, I don't know if you've seen the clip, but last night after the game, Urban Meyer did not know that the result of the Oregon game, and a reporter asked him, uh, something like, what did you think about, you know, Oregon's 40-point victory? And his reaction was absolutely priceless. Did you see it, first of all? Well, I, I, yes, I did. I, I did see it live, but I saw it, uh, you know, on the, on the, right. you know, in person. But I saw it on the TV in the, in the press room, and they, they played that a uh, few times. So that was, that was a, a pretty interesting response. Fascinating. I mean, you were in the Sugar Bowl last night. What I What I said was, you know, let me clarify for viewers or listeners that, yeah, and he did not know. He, like, leaned right into the microphone and said, you know, Oregon won by 40 points, question mark. And they said, yes, yes. Or, you know, Florida State had five turnovers in the third quarter, 59 to 20. And he, like, you know, jokingly acted like he was getting out of his chair and said, oh, time to go to work, which is great. It was funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you were in the Sugar Bowl. But what I talked about is my bizarre story of the week. At the opening segment today was simply, uh, I find it unimaginable that like Urban Meyer or anybody <laughs> could have been in last night's Sugar Bowl and not have known the result of the Rose Bowl, even if you are Urban Meyer and you said, I don't want to know that score for whatever reason, but I find it remarkable that you could go through the night and not know. Do you agree? I, I, yeah, I, I do too. And I think even Nick Saban made that point when they asked him about the game out there. He said he wouldn't. He didn't know the score. Nick Saban said that. Yeah, yeah. I think I was reading that as well from the, the transcript. Asked yeah. him about that, and I said, "Gee, was that, that's strange, you know, that he didn't, he didn't know the score of the uh, the Forest State Oregon game." It's strange. Uh, I'm guessing I wouldn't be surprised at all. I have no idea, but if I wouldn't be surprised at all if both coaches, now that I know Saban, said the same thing. Thank you for that breaking news. But, you know, if both coaches, for whatever reason, just said, you know, I don't want to know. But even with that, if they both said that, don't tell me the score. I can't imagine that they could, like, you know, move around that field for four hours and not know the score. I really... Yeah, yeah. You really find that puzzling, John. You, you could, actually, I'm uh, sorry to interrupt you, but I mean, you could look at the um, transcript and said I didn't even know what the score of that game was. Saban said that? Yeah. <laughs> I find that interesting. Um, I just, again, that some fan wouldn't have said something or, you know, just some reference somehow, some way, you know, even to extrapolate it out to where Meyer in the post game, somebody wouldn't say, you know, Something like you know how you, how you going to do against Oregon or something some reference to Oregon, but he you know he made it the whole way through the game to the podium, you know through the celebration after the game all of it as did Saban apparently too, um, without ever knowing because one thing's for sure Meyer's reaction was genuine you, you cannot fake his reaction last night at the microphone it was great right oh yeah it was it was entertaining sure was. Really entertaining, yes. Um, well, anyway, it's, uh, you know, quite a night, I'm sure, for you, just quite a week. I mean, 
I was in New Orleans for the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. I know you've been there fairly frequently, you know, the last few years. So you know it well. I know it well. What was it like this week in New Orleans for the first ever college football playoff semifinal? Yeah, it was a fun atmosphere, John. Um, anytime, you, you know, the Alabama fans, they, they always have enjoyed coming to New Orleans. And it, it's been a, a place where they won a lot of games, but the last few the last, uh, uh, you know, three, I guess it's three out of four times, you know, they, they haven't played as well. So, uh, but but overall, it, it's always a terrific experience to come here and visit the city. And it's it's very unique. And, you know, the, the sights and the sounds and the food, everything is, is very, uh, you know, entertaining. Uh, there's so much things like in the food itself. I mean, when you order something, it's all these different spices and herbs and flavors and aromas. When you're in the restaurant, it's it's great. Every meal is an adventure. That's right. Correct. There's nothing. There's nothing like it. You know, and it's always an upside adventure. It's even better than what you expected, and you. And expectations are high. So how does it rate AP? You know, I mean, you've been there for a lot. College football national championship games. You know, I've been there for Super Bowls. Perhaps you have too. How does the last week, you know, I know you've been there since I think Sunday, whatever. But, you know, how's it rate compared with, you know, national championship games? I don't know if you've been there for Super Bowls, but you've been there for some gigantic events. Where does the... You know the mood, the electricity factor rate in New Orleans this past week. Oh, oh, oh yeah, I always near the top because of the logistics as well, John. You don't have to uh, move too far from the, the central location of downtown. Yeah, that's the best be part. Think of think of the atmosphere, and there's always somebody around, and uh, you know you can walk to all these different locations, fan fest, and the rivers right right close by to the hotels and. Bourbon Street is nearby, and uh, all the restaurants are, are centrally located. So, you know, it, it's um, it's a great venue, and you can see what people continue to like to come back to New Orleans. They, they feel like they're really uh, on an adventure uh, every time. Absolutely, it, it, you know, it's just fabulous, um, to say the least. It's there's just nothing like it, and you can walk to the Superdome, and yeah, I mean we we've talked about this in the past, so I don't want to you know waste time repeating it. Uh, but great city, I, I figured it would be, you know, among the best. If you know, so I'm I'm just glad to hear it. Uh, you know, it's a high standard down there in New Orleans as far as how how good's it going to be. Put it that way. Oh yeah, the people uh, are receptive to showing you a good time and. You know, you, 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 there's always a party going on somewhere. There's a lot of activity, and there's music, and and you can walk around and, and visit, you know, all the sites. And uh, I just love being in New Orleans. Absolutely, um, you said it perfectly. It's like being in another country. That, <laughs> yeah. that, that just says it all right there. No <laughs> doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, um, as you well know. Finally, we're down under a minute uh, left in the show. SEC, West especially, been kind of a rough week on the bowl front for them. What what are your thoughts? I I heard Paul Feinbaum talking about it, the mouth of the South, this morning. Uh, What are your thoughts? 
Well, I'm glad you brought that up, John. You know, for many, many years, I've always said the SEC was very fortunate. The pendulum was on their side. But I think in one fell swoop, they lost all that goodwill. And uh, they're going to have, you know, it's a steep climb now to regain that stature, I believe. Yes. Well said. Perfectly said. You know, just as a closing note, you know it's real because... Some of the coaches after their games were making, you know, taking shots at the F- SEC, veiled uh, slightly, but not not too much. So I, I think that just spoke volumes as to you know what people feel about you know the SEC and the run they've they've been on and the attention they've gotten. Yeah, I think it's, it'll be in all in, in the minds of all these committee members in the future that the SEC is certainly not invincible, which. Uh, which happened uh, throughout this bowl season. Good point. Excellent point. AP, on that note, we're going to end it. Thank you so much. You really elevated the show. It's as good as it's been ever to have you uh, 14 hours after the end of one of the great college football games of all time, the first ever. Give your perspective from being inside the Superdome. Great stuff. Thank you again for calling in. You're very kind, John. My pleasure. All right, and as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. We look forward to doing it again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.